Welcome to Explore to Evolve, the travel show to inspire you to make your life the best adventure. I'm your host, Vivian Dams, world traveler, digital nomad, best-selling author, and your coach and mentor to love life fully. I'm so excited for you to be here today. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And if you like this episode, please leave a five-star review so that more amazing people just like you can find us. This is episode number 25 with Melissa Viringi. Her and her family started to travel the world in 2020 and then pretty quickly got stuck in Vietnam. I'm so excited for her to share her journey with us. Welcome, Melissa. I am so excited to have the beautiful Melissa Viringi here with me today. Beautiful Maori (laughs) name and Melissa is right now in Vietnam. And Melissa, do you want to tell us a little bit about your story? You're originally from New Zealand, how you ended up in Vietnam and all the beautiful things. Oh, wow. It's a story. Um, So long story short was we've been living in Australia for about nine years. My kids, my older kids and I, my husband's actually been there for a lot longer. Just sold everything to travel the world. Now, when I say everything, we didn't own a house. We didn't have any big investments or anything like that. We are a family of five. We've got three kids. Um, So we just sold everything that we owned within the house and our cars and uh, decided to travel the world. That was February 2020. So probably didn't quite pick the right year. (laughs) (laughs) and um, February we we got to New Zealand we did one month um, road tripping New Zealand and then we flew across to Vietnam early in March and we all know what happened in March Um, so we had planned to come here for one month Um, the rest of our plan was one month here we were going to go across to Cambodia for a couple weeks and then down to Malaysia Singapore and then fly to Turkey and do one month around Turkey then we were going to go to Germany and then we were going over to the border of France and Spain to walk the Camino and obviously none of that happened. We are still here and we are two days shy of our 11 month uh, anniversary in Vietnam. <laughs> wow, that is incredible. Oh. So you'd never yeah. imagine to stay for 11 months in Vietnam. Definitely wasn't on the agenda. Um, I, you know, like I've followed a lot of travel blogs, and and I've been I've talked to a lot of people that have said like Vietnam is like one of the best countries that they've ever been in, but it was never like one of those places that I thought I would stay long term. Actually, I'll tell you a funny story. What it was was that we planned to go through Europe, and what we thought was we'll do the Camino, and then we'll look at the funds, and if we like really tight would come back to Vietnam and and try and get our businesses going at that point this is kind of like worked in reverse we've kind of just done the Vietnam ending at the start and fallen in love with the place it's been absolutely a joy to be here I love it you know I've been to over 70 countries and Vietnam is in my top three so I can totally relate to that that you love Vietnam because it's a beautiful country and a beautiful culture what is it that you enjoy the most about the country and the culture and the people and the food I think the people have made it for us um so obviously being here in March gosh just the way that we were treated was just beautiful we were really lucky we were in uh, Da Nang when the first little outbreak happened and so then we realized that we quickly weren't going to have our planned trip which was to sort of train trip down the country and then go back to Saigon overland to Cambodia so we 
sort of thought, okay, we'll check out Hoi An and then we'll we'll have to make a choice whether we're going to stay here on the more city version or if we're going to, like, what we'll think of Hoi An. And we got to Hoi An and we absolutely just fell in love. We were like, oh, this is so cool. This is us. We sort of were ahead of the game and sort of thought, okay, things are probably going to change really rapidly. We could see the whole world shutting down and people going to lockdown and stuff. And we were like, yeah, good chance that it's going to happen here. So we found us a nice little villa. We took it for a month. We had a view of the rice paddy fields. We had bikes. And um, kind of felt surreal because the rest of the world was hard lockdown and all these people were just being so kind to us and we were able to go and ride our bikes every day despite being under restrictions. We had met friends with uh, the lady that was at the, the restaurant around the corner, so she was pretty much cooking for us most of our breakfast, lunch and dinners um, and delivering them to us. It was just, like, incredible. It was, just, it was out of this world. And... and the people just the kindness like they um all of the villas at the time they were all doing like quite big discounts so people could do long-term stays um it was working in their favor and our favor at the same time because they realized um you know they needed people to stay a long time because they couldn't see the future of where their guests were coming from and and we weren't planning to stay for that long in one place so it worked out great for us um just everyone was so kind like we just were so you could feel their empathy and their compassion that like we weren't actually planning to be there for that long. And then at the same time, it was mutual because then we were feeling their pain that their businesses were obviously suffering, but we're doing the best that we can to, to travel and spend money and being a family. I guess we were doing a bit of that. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it kind of, um, it was, yeah, just the people have made it. I mean, we ended up, I don't know if you went to Fong Nha, mm-hmm. um, but we ended up staying out there for four and a half months and we just, it was the people that made it. It was just totally the people. Yeah, yeah I, I totally, relate, totally relate to that. That is beautiful. And you're also homeschooling your kids, world schooling, homeschooling, depending on how you want to say it. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how you made that like part of who you are and of your business? Sure. So um, a big part of this was we actually came up with the idea we wanted to live in Spain after we traveled. So my husband and I, we did about five weeks where we traveled through Europe and we left the older kids behind. And one of the countries that was a real surprise for us was Spain. We didn't actually spend a lot of time there. We went there so he could run with the bulls. And we were like, wow, I want to come back here. And so this was a once in a lifetime trip, right? So when we got home, I was like, no, it's not a once in a lifetime trip. We like have to go and, and make it happen like we have to take our kids over and then that was sort of so 2013 was when we did the trip 2014 we got married out in the islands and then 2015 I was like hey should we go live in Spain for a year so that was sort of where the the commitment happened to the dream because the dream had started back in 2010 but the commitment was really locked in and so in 2015 we committed 2000 15 late 15 we fell pregnant with number three and then 2016 the kids were out of school we went back because I'm a home birther as well so we went back to New Zealand to have a home birth and that was sort of like our test driving homeschool and we at the time we were doing distance ed which was horrible so I guess what I want to say about that is like for the mums that have been in that predicament throughout COVID who have done homeschool 
via their child school is actually quite different. So what you're actually doing is more called distance ed, which distance ed is where the schools provided a curriculum and generally they give you like a guidance on how many hours you have to do. You may have to do face-to-face classes. You have to check in with the teacher, da-da-da-da. That is actually excruciating and stabbed me in the eyeballs. I will never do that again. It lasted two months in our house. Um, so I totally resonated with all the mums on the internet that were really upset with the, the forced homeschool thing scenario yeah. because that is not enjoyable for the mother. It's not enjoyable for the kids. It's not enjoyable for the family. And so my advice to, to mums back then or even mums going through it now perhaps, is don't do it. What is the school going to do? It's not going to expel you. You've got to win. And you've actually got to make, your your responsibility as a parent is just to make it enjoyable for your kids. So if the kid's sitting there at the table and you've got a workbook that's this thick that you've got to get through this week, throw it in the bin. Because you as a mum don't need to have that shit fight with your kid every day. They're going to learn guess what? You can go and learn that same stuff in that book. If it's maths, you can go baking. You can go, you may may or may not be able to go to the supermarket if you're not able to go to the supermarket. Guess what? You've got online shopping. You can get them to pull out the calculator, do some math, say this is what the budget is. These are the things we've got to buy. Go do it and show me the cart before you check out. Like what we're doing over here is we get the kids, they go down some mornings to buy our fruit from the little market lady. They can't speak Vietnamese, but they manage to get the transaction done. Um, you know, all of these things get your kids thinking in the ways of the actual world rather than the real world. If they're learning fractions, do baking with them. If they're struggling with, you know, multiplication or something like that, go and get some fruit out and put it in groups or something, you know, like there's all these different ways. If they're early learners, like, like my son is four and he's learned how to recognize numbers from the pool table. So we were out in Fongya and he would just get the balls and he's learned the numbers all the way out to 15 and he can put them all in a row. You know, like some creative, it's thinking outside of like a pen and paper and a book or even being on a laptop all day because you don't want your kids to do that. Mm-hmm. So we were really lucky. We started with distance ed. I hated it. We stopped doing that. We did um, homeschool. And so homeschool, we did have to create a curriculum. And then we kind of evolved into unschool, which is like, we're just hands off. We just say, okay, what is it you want to learn and go all in on that. And really interesting. I actually shared a post from uh, a lady on my Instagram the other day, because she put, um, if you've got a kid and they're struggling at maths and they're really good at tennis, most parents will go and hire a maths tutor, but I'd go and hire a tennis tutor. And that is up here we've been taught that we've got to teach them everything they've got to be good at everything and then they end up being like average at everything and like really thriving at nothing whereas like I'm I'm on that same idea like my daughter's amazing at art and that was one thing she said she didn't like about school when she used to go was that they'd only do art like for half an hour maybe twice a week she does art for like hours every day and the quality of her work is just phenomenal like what she produces is just cannot put words on it she wants to be an anime artist so she spends a good at least one to four hours a day doing art and she uh, watches like little art youtubes and she's also learning Japanese because what she learned to become an anime artist is that she needs Japanese I can't speak Japanese my husband can't speak Japanese 
So she's 12 and she decided she's going to learn Japanese. She wants to be fluent. And you're not going to get that in a schooling education system because she's got to focus on this, 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 and this. And the other cool thing with learning a language too is they actually get really good at English. Because part Mm -hmm. of, you know, when you're using the Duolingo app or the Mango app is that you have to then translate the sentences and if you spell it wrong in English they tell you <laughs> that's so right by default she's getting she's getting English um, understanding she's learning Japanese she's doing her um she does like we do 10-15 minutes of basic maths and she goes oh like I'm only in this year and I should be in that year and I said don't worry about it like you don't even need high school maths you're gonna be fine like I got got by without you know I can't even remember anything I learned at high school I remember learning you know my basic maths and addition subtraction multiplication I can't remember like if you ask me to do division hell no it's not going to happen I'll get my calculator out and um, I'm surviving fine so and that's what I say to her I say don't worry about it just do as long as you've got these basics and do 10-15 mm-hmm. minutes a day it's fine um, my son he's into he's learning stock trading he's got a little app on his phone he's been on the stocks trading that's and um, yeah no he's 13 and he does music production so he has a SoundCloud account with over 70 tracks on it. Now you find me wow. an adult that wants to be a musician and most of them haven't started or if mm-hmm. they have, they might put up one track every three months. So, you know, I said to him, you're 13. By the time you're 16, you've got so much there that you've created. And you can see the progress as well. So um, Absolutely. for me, yeah, as a mum, that's what we want. We want to create something where our kids are doing something that they're amazing at and if they're starting at 12 and 13 and their passion by the time they're 16 and 18 they've already got so much more on their peers who are just leaving school that are now average at everything they've got to now choose something that they like to do that their parents think will make money and um, they, they end up behind so it's kind of sad and then they end up like me like 30 year old and trying to write a book for the first time <laughs> when I think if my parents had seen oh Melissa's really good at writing she wants to be an author oh yeah just write books and stuff school and Mm -hmm. you know that would have refined my technique and skill a lot more than them doing it and starting it much later in life so that's that's how I think of it that's right I absolutely agree I really find like school teaches you so many things that are so unnecessary But at the same time, there are so many people that have the desire to go out and travel, but they get stuck on the thought like, oh, I can't just take my kids out of school. Or what if they later on decide that the traveling lifestyle or the entrepreneurial lifestyle isn't for them, and then I'm taking away their possibility to go to university or like to, you know, study something else. What do you say to people that come up with these thoughts that are like limiting in a way? Ah, you're doing your kids a disservice by not following your dreams. One thing as an adult, and and that's such an interesting thing, because I did see actually this year in Facebook, somebody put a comment in a group that I'm in, and it's probably a family travel group, I can't remember which one, but they were saying, you know, I'm thinking about taking my kids out of school, they're early teens, Um, it's really hard because the kids want to stay with their friends, but I really want to go. And the amount of abuse that that woman copped was like, um, you're so selfish. You should have traveled before you had kids. Why did you have kids if you want to travel? Um, God, it's so horrible that you would do that to your kids. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, you people are nuts. So I jumped in there and I was like, actually, it would be the best thing that you could do to your kids. Rip them out of school. Make them uncomfortable because hello, that's what the world is. Um, Reality check. And if your kids are that 
privilege that they're going to run around and later in life and go, oh, poor me, my kids dragged me, my parents dragged me out of school because um, to travel the world and I had to give up my friends. What a poor mm-hmm. me story is that, hey? And and it's the it's these perceived things like university. You can actually go to university if you don't go to high school. I didn't finish high school. I did not do well in the last two years of my high school. I don't think I passed one thing. My whole last two years that I was even at high school, which wasn't even till the final year, was just a complete waste of time. Mm. I was drunk half the time. I managed to go to university and get a degree. So, you know, it's you're not limited by high school getting you to university. There are other pathways. Like um, in New Zealand, we have a polytechnic, which is how you would go to university if you don't have high school um in australia it's called TAFE i'm pretty sure there's plenty of other bridging places Mm -hmm. all around the world that are you know if you drop out of school at 14 or 15 generally you can go to these places at 15 16 and start whether it's an apprenticeship or if you want to learn how to do business or something like that they all have these courses and generally part of those tends to give you some kind of qualification that allows you to get the accessibility to university And also my thought on that is it actually prepares you a lot better. So when I went to university, I was probably only six months behind the people that were my age, but I was actually gliding through because I'd done a year and a half in that, in the polytech system. So I'd already got used to how exams go and used to writing out essays and things like that. Whereas people at high school didn't seem to have that same thing or maybe as well because I'd already been studying in that field like I studied um, business and information technology so I'd just done a year and a half intensive of business and pulling apart computers and all that stuff and so when I came in my first year of uni it wasn't like I'd just studied all these basic things at high school I'd actually done a year and a half in that thing that I was transitioning to uni so I just I breezed through my first and second years the rest of it was a bit slow because I trashed my life, but that's for another day. Um, <laughs> but I did finish it. It took me 10 years, but I did finish it. <laughs> that is amazing. And I, to- I totally agree. Like just staying in school, I feel it's such a limiter and such a time waster. Needing to learn the things that they put in front of you is just so annoying. <laughs> and I'm actually, I'm very very grateful that my parents took me traveling but still they didn't I think they didn't they never thought about taking me out of school and like going full-time traveling right so I think it was like in between but I totally love what you're doing and if I had kids I'd do totally the same thing (laughs) (laughs) your kids will love you (laughs) (laughs) I hope so (laughs) um if there are people who are like oh we have kids and we want to do this but we're just not as creative as you Melissa are there any resources you can recommend any like techniques to like go about websites places people to work with and um, all the things that people can get more ideas for world schooling or unschooling yeah there's a lot out there I haven't really referenced a lot because we moved into unschooling I've got a page that I've set up on our website that I haven't actually hit the publish on which is all the resources mm-hmm. so it like goes from from, you know, like my four-year-old, he currently uses Khan Academy Kids. And that's something that's free. It's an app. It's easy. He can spend 10 minutes on it and he's learned something. And we use that for him. So that teaches him a bit of basic, like, recognition of letters and sounds and basic maths. He's probably actually a bit 
more advanced than the maths. My my youngest really loves maths. So he's real, really freaky. He likes doing addition and subtraction and stuff. <laughs> and he's four. It's weird. Um, so he's he's but he's always been a bit ahead because he's the youngest. Like the older two are twelve and thirteen. So with the older two, we just use the straight Khan Academy. Now that can teach like. As a parent, it kind of goes a little bit off what you're, what's important to you. I know mums who have world schooled that are really into like science. So then that kind of comes across into what they teach to their kids because it's important to them. Um, so they teach their kids a lot of science, whereas I'm sort of like laid back, hands off science. It's like science is there, it's there to see. And then we can go and look stuff up if we're really interested. But so it's, it's kind of a little bit of a reflection of who you are as a parent and if, if you're into all of that deep stuff, there's all of that on Khan Academy. Like it does everything. It can go right into, you can go through all of the grade system. It is American based, but like I say to people, it's like whether it's American, Australia, UK, or New Zealand, it doesn't really matter. Obviously, they're going to teach things a little bit different here and there. Yeah. It's it's not really a big deal. Like my, my son did the the American system. And so he's learned um, the American dollars, which you know, they have the pennies and the quarters and stuff. And we don't have that in Australia and New Zealand. But I said to him, oh, well, when we go to America, at least you'll know what everything means. And I don't, but I'll leave it over to you. And and it's that, it's that mentality of like, oh, well, it's American system. So we're not going to use it over here and stuff. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. they can just then change it to same, same, just different. Like, you know, it doesn't, yeah. it's not a big deal. So people sometimes get stuck on that. But we've used Khan Academy for that my kids do touch typing um they found we found a, a long time ago place called the reading road schoolers so they are people that teach their kids on the road there's a lot of people living in rvs all around the us that just travel um, a lot of people are actually doing it in australia now too which is mm-hmm. cool they have a typing club so we're in that and the kids just jump on there and do touch typing for 10-15 minutes each day um so i've got a big list of stuff that we've used over the years but those are sort of the main go-tos. And then for, for language, they're just in Duolingo. We did use Mango for a little while because Mango, I found, was easier for the kids when they were probably more like eight because mm-hmm. there was no needing to type it and they didn't need to get all frustrated about not knowing how to spell stuff. Uh, but now they're sort of a bit more, you know, 12 and 13, they can cope with the writing it in English and getting it wrong without throwing the phone out the door. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll put I'll put together that. But um probably like there, there are just if you type in world schooling you're going to find plenty of resources we've actually just started a mighty network which is not in facebook because we just found like a lot of people just over being added to groups and over the multiple friend requests and stuff so we've started a mighty network where we um, are just talking about family travel and world schooling and unschooling and i'm actually just right now sharing my journey of how we made it happen or how I made it happen from before when I was a single mum to the two kids, all the way through to, you know, like coming up with the idea back in 2010, I had no money. I was on welfare. Um, I was going to get food grants. Like I couldn't put petrol in my car. So I've gone all the way back to those days when I was depressed and had no future to wow. like right now. So I'm, I'm taking people on that journey at the moment and and talking about like wealth creation and stuff like that. So that could be a good resource. So if you're interested, if Vivi puts a link to my social media, probably my Instagram or something, you can can message me and find out how to join our Mighty Network. We'll share everything in there. And and the reasoning for that is that I think um, we're probably ahead of the curve, but a lot of people are kind of at that 
getting sick of Facebook and looking for a different place to hang out. We thought, well, if we start there, then we won't have to move there later on. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best. I love it. So you, do you have something like in mind that you're trying to teach your kids within the next like few weeks or months, or does it just come up as like inspiration heads or they come up with new things that they want to learn? It's, it's a merger of things. So if they come up with something that they want to learn, they'll just go and find something and say, mum, I want to learn about this and that's cool. Um, I do quite a lot of hands off. Like I let them learn themselves a lot of the time. Like my daughter gets a bit frustrated with math. So I'll sit next to her and talk to her about it, but she says I'm a terrible teacher anyways. <laughs> um, and so, but that's what I want for them. I want them to learn themselves. Like I think if we the school system kind of teaches us to be reliant on a teacher Mm -hmm. and that can be a bit of a disservice like even in my progression to get where we are today I felt like I needed to lean on coaches and mentors and I need to do this course and that course and I need this and that I've always just felt like I needed a teacher whereas Mm -hmm. I think my kids are more like we'll just go and learn it and and go do it and that's probably a better skill to have than to be always looking for a teacher to teach you something um so that's sort of core in my in my way of looking at things is that if they like to learn and if they know how to learn then they actually have the skill to learn whatever they want and they don't need to spend thousands of dollars on teachers and training they just go find the information that they want to learn it and then but things crop up because as you know like when you're traveling you always meet really interesting people because you're in really interesting places so I'll, I'll give you an analogy like before we left we still traveled a lot. Like I would do road trips and we would stay weekends here and do weekends there and three day weekends here. But if you are taking your family three days to a resort somewhere, chances are you're going to hang out with your family and just hang out with the family all the time. When you're full time on the road and you live in a resort for a month, which is what we pretty much do. We live in a resort or a, we stayed in a homestay and a farm stay for four months. And so we had our own villa, but we were around people all the time. The people are always changing. And so you have opportunities to have these amazing conversations with just incredible people. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, your kids are sitting right here. Mm-hmm. And they, whether they participate in the conversation or not, they're actually taking it all in. And I've had conversations with teachers. I've had conversations with artists, had conversations with spiritual people, um, authors, just all sorts of people. They open they happen to be here and so it's like the learning that the kids get off that it sparks other conversations at home that it's more like philosophy almost like they understand Mm -hmm. how I look at life those are sort of the things that I think um, school doesn't have and you don't have an opportunity to have that because if you've got a classroom with 30 kids that are all the same age they're not at different worldviews really like I mean they do have obviously different worldviews but on the whole they're very similar worldview and then you've got a teacher there that's got one one worldview that Mm -hmm. they're looking at it from their perspective yet when you're in the world in the real world you're not around people that are all your same age all the time and they don't all come from the same town or the same country all the time so you when you are living like this you have teachers just everywhere everyone is a teacher every experience is a teacher every you know opportunity is a teacher like I learned to ride a motorbike in Vietnam and that is like the biggest no 
for travelers like I mean when we came over here I was like there's no way you're getting me on a bike in Vietnam I know how dangerous it is I know people that have had multiple accidents on motorbikes no bloody way it's not going to happen but because we were only going to be here for a month so it wasn't going to be yeah. a big thing and then we ended up here four or five months here and we were on Kappa Island and our friends had been riding motorbikes back in Thailand and Hoi An and they were just pretty adventurous and they were like, we're going for a motorbike ride across the national park. And the only way to get there is on a motorbike. So do you want to come? And I was like, can we take bikes? And they're like, nope. And I was like, ah. Oh. And they knew I really wanted to do it. But part of my brain is like, motorbikes are unsafe. I've got three children. I have to drive a motorbike. I can't just like jump on the back with my husband and put five of us on. Like, so you're going, oh, there's all these like limitations, but I really wanted to go. And so I jumped on a motorbike, literally did a street, so like, drove for not even 100 meters did a circle my daughter hopped on the back and we drove across the national park and I did it and I didn't pull off Mm -hmm. I didn't um drive into any oncoming traffic because if you've been in Vietnam you know that people just overtake on blind corners and everything so you have to be a bit careful um but yeah I think part of that was because we'd been here a long time and kind of got used to how the craziness of their driving and um, we survived. And so since then, now we hire motorbikes wherever we go and we do road trips everywhere and not in the cities, but anywhere that's quiet enough for me. And, and I've, I'm quite confident, well, semi-confident. I still wouldn't go driving in Saigon or Hanoi, but yeah, it's, it's great. It's opened up a whole new thing. And my daughter's been on the back of the bike while I've been learning and she's seen me. And, you know, one of the second time we hired a bike, I was out in a town called Khao Bang and we were out in the north of Vietnam, right near the border of China. And my husband needed petrol, so he plugged in petrol station. It took us through the town. Tell you what, I was shitting myself. I was on the wrong side of the road in a really busy street that I wasn't expecting to be. And I was having a panic attack because there was a parked car in front of me, so I couldn't see what was coming. And the cars on the other side were just going and there was a big intersection. And I was just sitting there going, I can't do this. I can't do this. And the daughter's on the back going, yes, you can, mum. Yes, you can. And, and that's it. It's like she's watched me learn and she's so confident. And the kids now have taken motorbikes themselves. My son will ride a motorbike from here down to the market. And he's good. He's good. He's fine. Yeah. It's, and it's just, yeah, it's just all of those experiences that you cannot get in a classroom worth, mm-hmm. worth so much. You can't put a price tag on it. It's amazing. That is amazing. And I love the quality of life that you're able to give to your kids and to yourself, obviously. It's beautiful. Melissa, what does living life fully mean to you? It's about really, one, overcoming the fear and going and doing it. And and two, doing what you actually want to be doing and not letting anything stop you. Because like we said earlier in the call, you know, People have kids and then they think, oh, well, I can't live my dreams because X, Y, Z. But what you've got to realize is that's just the social structure telling you how to be and that's how you've been conditioned. But if you can break free of that, then you can actually live really quite fulfilled. It's it's doing what you want to do. I mean, not everyone wants to travel the world with their kids and that's okay. But if you want to go and live in a mountain cabin in the snow somewhere with your kids, like go do it and, and you will not regret it for a minute. And your kids will look back someday I mean, don't get me wrong, my kids tell me sometimes, I hate traveling, I'm going to hate you forever. And I just laugh, I'm like, no, you're going to one day wish that you could do this forever. And, um, you know, it's it's just, you've got to have the bravery and the courage to just go do it. And, and then once you do, you will feel a fullness and a richness that you can't feel um, when you're still living, feeling trapped and, and mm-hmm. contained. So yeah, it's, it's amazing, go do it, whatever it is that's on your heart, just do it, find a way, make a way 
start just taking steps to it every day and, and one day you'll wake up and you'll see in your news feed that 10 years ago you put it out there to the universe that you wanted to do it and you're actually living it and you'll just just feel joy it's amazing mm, that is so good thank you for sharing melissa where is a good place if people want to follow you you said you're like pivoting away from facebook where is a good place for people to like join you follow your journey all the things so our family uh, Instagram is what we're working on primarily at the moment. So it's World Travel Ambitions. And we also have the website, which is World Travel Ambitions. And like I said, we've got the Mighty Network. So if you're interested in that, um, you'll be able to find out how to get to that uh, from our Facebook, also from our Instagram. Um, and our our website also has a little blog about that while we're going there. So yeah, and there'll be world schooling stuff there. I haven't worked hard on the blog yet, but uh, I have like a ton of content to put on there. So it's, um, it's all coming together. I am so excited and all the links will be in the show notes. So thank you so much, Melissa. This has been amazing. And I really hope more and more people get their kids to like world school, unschool and just live life the way they want to live it and not be limited by any system that is being putting upon us oh thank you for having me that was absolutely pure joy talking about those things because they are really something i'm quite passionate about so it was really neat to share share that and i hope it inspires some parents somewhere to do it differently definitely thank you so much